Good day there, musicologist. It's E-Dub here. So today we're going to be profiling a segment that's going to be done regularly on this podcast. And it's called, Whatever Happened To? You can insert a big question mark or perhaps a small question mark. In this episode, we'll be examining whatever happened to Terrence Trent Darby. Certainly, you probably remember him from the 1987 album, The Hardline, According to Terrence Trent Darby, as well as his biggest hit, Wishing Well. He also had Sign Your Name, as well as Dance Little Sister, and If You Let Me Stay. He won a Grammy for Best R&B Album in 1988, and really seemed to be a standout artist that had a sure future in the music industry. He was a dynamic performer, incredible vocalist, and really good song interpretation as far as his performances. But then it seemed like things just stopped. So why don't we find out what happened to Terrence Trent Darby on this episode of Musicology 101, Connecting the Dots. Terrence Trent Darby hit big in 1987 with the album The Hard Line According to Terrence Trent Darby. The album was groundbreaking in many ways because it harkened back to old school R&B in a very traditional sense. It was songs about relationships, used live horns and intricate arrangements, and stellar, stellar, absolutely stellar vocal styling from Terrence. And that feeling you get when you know something big is about to happen, you're nervous and excited all at the same time. At least that's how I felt about him when I first heard If You Let Me Say. Kind of like right before getting your hair straightened with a hot comb from the stovetop. Not you on that visual colored folks. But you get what I mean. You knew that you were in the presence of something great, that this was something that you needed to pay attention to because it seemed like it was different in so many ways from everything else that you were seeing at the time. He could dance, he had stage presence, he had micro braids, chiseled features, and had quite a background where he was in the military and also was a boxer. A lean, mean fighting machine. That's what he appeared to be, and that's what he gave you. So, we're going to look at maybe the first initial splash with Mr. Darby, and we're going to continue from there. Darby's outstanding vocals and the feeling of live musicianship that accompanied the tracks enabled him to win a Grammy for Best R&B Album in 1988 for his debut project, The Hard Line According to Terrence Trent Darby. That breakout single achieved number one status on the Hot 100, as well as the R&B singles chart with Wishing Well. That's not an easy feat for any artist to be able to capture the listening public from a black audience perspective, as well as a pop audience perspective. He also achieved top five status on both charts with the follow-up single, Sign Your Name. After such massive success with his debut album, Darby's disillusionment began to show a bit. 
It seems that Darby found out the lesson that many big splashes seem to teach us. And that would be that he became so big that he took on a bit of a Lauren Hill complex. Or what's better known as, I got everything I wanted, and now these people think I'm the second coming. So now what? It's a lot to follow up on. In 1989, Darby released a sophomore album, Neither Fish Nor Flesh, a soundtrack of love, faith, hope, and destruction. Yes, that's the name of the album. You gotta love that title, because it sounds like a not-so-happy ending. This marked a rather abrupt pivot in his musical style and direction. Gone was the soul-wailing throwback showman, replaced with a psychedelic bohemian, complete with acoustic guitar and mushroom sensibilities. Needless to say, the album bombed because no one knew what to make of it. They were wanting a soul crooner, and what they got was a carnival act. But as far as Darby was concerned, he wanted to be taken seriously, and he wanted to show that he was capable of examining, yet eviscerating, one might say, other styles of music be it intentionally or unintentionally. The first single from the sophomore album, This Side of Love, was something akin to the Beatles having a child with Willy Wonka. It had all sorts of things going on, and a video that really portrayed Darby as a bit of a acoustic, thoughtful, rocker, throwback 60s love child with a soul power edge. So many things going on and none of it made sense. The music being the least of it. Nineteen ninety three saw the end of a four year gap in releases with Symphony or Dam, Darby's third album. The album was well received, at least it was by critics. However it flopped with record buyers. The first single, She Kissed Me, was dead on arrival at radio and video. However, there was one highlight of the project, and that would be a duet with the R&B chanteuse Desiree. Symphony or Damn, as the album was called, almost seemed to be a declaration of what was inside. In some cases, they were well-constructed and well-performed songs. And in others, it was as if he said, damn the torpedoes, I don't know what the hell this mess is, but I'm gonna put it together in an album and package it and sell it, and somebody's gonna like it, because it's me, damn it, and that's what I'm doing. As I said before, there was one highlight to the album, which was the song Delicate with UK singer Desiree. It was evident with Symphony or Damn that Darby was determined to dig his heels in and venture into whatever styles and forms of imagery that he felt were suitable for him. However, all he did was succeed in abandoning the last of his audience, at least in the United States. Things didn't really get much better from there, and it seemed like he himself didn't really know who he was. The projects seemed to be so scattershot and all over the place, just 
a melange of sound that was a bit of a cacophony at the same time, if that makes any sense. By the time Darby released his fourth album in 1995, titled Terrence Trent Darby's Vibrator, Batteries Included, parenthetically, yep, another one of those interesting song titles. I look at them and I think, hmm, they speak volumes, but we'll get into that later, I guess. It certainly appeared that he had zero fucks to give regarding what anyone thought about his music and his musical output, a rather haphazard affair that devolved into the dustbin. Darby just seemed not to care. And I guess in one way that's rather freeing when you're an artist, but not necessarily when your stomach is empty and your public wants you to feed them when you can't even feed yourself. Artistry and creativity are individual, and I think that anyone who is a creator, and I consider myself to be one, understands that we don't necessarily want people telling us what to do. We just want them to accept what it is that we're willing to share of ourselves. This 1995 album in particular was just not something that was cohesive in any basic form. We don't have that much time together is a bit of an odd affair, which I was playing, playing previously. Holding on to you is a bit more streamlined and real and simple. And it seems that this was the case with the last two albums from Darby. They were just all over the place. There were songs where it would seem that he had started with a great idea and meandered into the meadow. And other times it seemed like he was in front of a bicycle that was in individual parts and had no clue how to put them all back together to actually form something he could use. This just seemed to be the case in an inconsistent sense, especially on the third and fourth albums. I profiled Darby on Instagram previously and I was looking back at it prior to recording this episode and I actually chuckled at what I wrote because revisiting this over a year later by using a podcast, I still certainly have the same impression. It's just a bit more easier for me to convey my point rather than writing it on Instagram. I wrote, I look at this artist as a Rubik's Cube. I think of it this way. Prince is the kid that you used to see at the mall that could do a complete Rubik's Cube in like 60 seconds. Now, of course, for my millennials and anyone younger, you probably have no clue what I mean. But, you know, when I was a kid, we used to go to malls and just hang out. Not that kids don't now, but, well, you know, maybe not right now. Anyway, the antithesis of that kid would be Terrence Trent Darby except that he would be sitting at home with four sides done and two blocks missing on two sides totally messed up. He could never seem to get all the pieces together at the same time working well. Sometimes he does, during the song, and that's unfortunate. Sometimes he holds his sweet spot and finds a song. Sometimes not. He has a lot of voice that needs the right space and vocal arrangement. 
rinse and repeat. An example would be, baby, let me share. Hollering for 45 minutes and then sweet spot. Then wet your lips. Once he finds the right space and arrangements, it works. Those two tracks in particular, check them out. Baby, let me share and wet your lips. You'll get one or the other. And you'll see exactly what I mean. He needs space within the arrangements because he is a lot of artists. Sometimes the issue is that the musical arrangement doesn't hold enough space, and yet he seems a little off at the beginning of the song. And then he finds his way, and he slips back to the shaky beginning. Other times he starts off with a so-so beginning, finds his way, and hits a home run all the rest of the way. As with Delicate, restraint is not his forte. However, he does manage to challenge his own vocal stylings, sometimes successfully, most times, not so much. The point is, though, he does have something to say. He just has to learn how to say it and when to say it. Darby one day just seemed to drop off the map. That last album in 1995 did him no favors. He was gone, he was forgotten, and no one was even thinking about the poor soul. Then suddenly, as if blasted in on a laser, we received the second coming. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Sananda Matreya. Yes, folks, Sananda Matreya, a.k.a. Terrence Trent Darby. So let's recap a minute, because I was a little confused. After three mediocre releases between 1989 and 1995, Darby began, Darby began to feel really frustrated with the business of music and his sophomore album did nothing for him to continue that momentum from the hard line according to Terrence Trent Darby. He took a sabbatical, maintained a low profile, changed his name to Sananda Matreya, and then in 2002 came Wildcard. Wildcard was initially only released in Europe and other parts of the world. It took another year before it actually made it to America's shores and an even longer amount of time before it became available for streaming. It became apparent from listening to Wildcard that Sanada Matreya viewed himself as an artist, a real artist, and he had finally found his way. And he had many musical interests that he realized he just simply needed to refine, However, it took him quite a number of years to refine them. And he also had a certain expectation of his expansive artistry. Now, as I previously stated on Instagram when I profiled Mr. Darby, it seemed as though he was working out the kinks while recording the album. And he was essentially sitting in the recording studio and hearing the parts that were mistakes, as well as the parts that were pure brilliance. 
the problem is that we as the audience were also front row and center during that recording process in the studio, hearing the good parts and the clunkers. He finally learned that cutting away the fat and using the meaty substance that carried the heart of much of the mediocre material resulted in a bit of a masterpiece with Wild Card. I recall when I discovered Wild Card having been reviewed on the New Music Express website. Now keep in mind, this is around the end of 2002, and the album had not been released in the United States, but fortunately there was a website where he essentially was selling the album independently. However, some tracks were streaming for free, at least half of them. This is of course during the period prior to digital downloads being paid for, as opposed to digital pirating and downloading from BitTorrents. iTunes and Spotify were years away. I was able to find the album online and download it for free, of course, and I freely admit it, and I'm glad that I did, because I was totally blown away and instantly became a huge fan again. Matreya, as compared to Darby, had put all the puzzle pieces together on one full-bodied project that was not only expressive of every single one of his gifts in their most expansive yet concise and artistic brilliance, but there's nary a clunker in the bunch. The album received rave reviews from music critics who were actually paying attention and could recognize the transformation that had taken place outside of earshot and eyesight. Fortunately, this actually also signaled a fruitful period which continues through today, whereas Matreya continues to consistently release confident and challenging music filled with themes and images that pull the entire creative process together in a unified fashion, something that he was not able to accomplish on the three albums prior to Wild Card, at least not consistently. I would especially say that Matreya continues to challenge himself even more on the releases post-Wildcard, especially with the likes of two albums in particular. The Rise of the Zugebrian Time Lords in 2015 and the fantastically titled and thematically interesting Prometheus and Pandora from 2017. Try saying that again, the fantastical Prometheus and Pandora. Fantastical is my word. You'll better understand if you check them out. He seems to really like to challenge himself when it comes to particular themes and images that are juxtaposed in an unfamiliar fashion. These two really ambitious albums there are essentially, I would say, Sananda Matreya's version of historical fiction in a mythological sense, if they were contemporary books or movies. I know that's a lot to digest, but that's why it's wonderful that we can reinvestigate artists that we have fallen off with or forgotten about. That's the beauty of music. It's always there, and it's always waiting for us to pick it up and play it.
we will examine other artists in this Whatever Happened To series. Because I've found that many times we'll support an artist until we drop off, and that artist will continue to release new music. Sometimes we notice, and sometimes we don't. However, given the ease of exploration that digital downloading offers, it's a pity to not revisit some of your favorite artists from years past, to see what they've been up to, and to track their growth and evolution as artists. I found myself very well served by taking a leap into the Sananda Matreya Pond back in 2002 upon finding out that he was in actuality the second coming of Terence Trent Darby. Essentially returning after a long and fruitful sabbatical as a completely different person and a completely formed artist. I thank you guys for your support and I hope you'll continue to listen Thanks for also following me on Instagram, Musicology by Eric. Until next time, take care and keep listening.